So I want to go over some key terms that the uh, movie depicted. <laughs> the, the movie uh, Judas and the Black Messiah that it depicted. I want to talk a little bit about the um, FBI, the uh, COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program that, that was utilized, right? So in 1956, on the FBI, under Hoover, they developed a... Um, counterintelligence program to co- combat activities of communist party within the United States and then um, in 1960 what happened <laughs> it expanded to co- co- include a number of other domestic groups such as the Ku Klux Klan, uh, Social Workers uh, Party and the uh, Black Panther Party and it says that you know the black that the operations were ended in 1971 I guess it could be kind of a little bit questionable. I don't necessarily know if it did. I've ever seen um, other posts where it talks about COINTELPRO, where it said that it started in 1956, which I think that that's an agreed upon year that it started. But I've seen one where it says the ending date is to be unknown. Mm, you know, very interesting to, to look at. And um, later it was kind of dismantled because then Congress got wind of it. And... Um, it found that it was it was uh, impinging on people's First Amendment uh, rights, and so you know, so yeah, so basically, you would see that you know, the FBI was using it in the intelligence and breaking up the movements of people that are, are, are oppressed uh, for making it, you know, for standing up for themselves, and so you you can see that the, um, the FBI was using its own people to distribute. Um, sorry, to disrupt uh, movements within this uh, within this country, and uh, and no no greater thing than it was to show what what happened with um, you know with Judas and the Black Messiah with uh, with Fred Hampton, and they even it was used for people like uh, Martin Luther King and um, and Malcolm X. So again, uh, Cointel Pro that was that was used to kind of break up these um, black. Um, Black black movements, and another one thing that that I know back with, with Hoover was that he uh, they feared the Black Messiah from rising up, and um, I also know it was a quote. I misquote him when he said something along the lines of, "If there's another, then there'll be a, a black leader unless we create them." So you know, that's kind of one of the famous quotes that I've seen, um, seen from him. And so that just kind of goes to show that, you know, again, a lot of people that are now faced if you know, they're being shown on the media and they're being propped up. Nine times out of ten, you know, they've been vetted and um, they might have been selected. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so it just goes to show that the, you know, the methods used within our government to, that, that was used to stop um, black movements from, uh, for one, for speaking up for themselves, for one, uh, living better lives, and also wanted to defend themselves from from, from, from police, uh, police brutality and also injustice within the uh, uh, economics uh, and, and resources. And so, yeah, so that's a little bit about the Cointel Pro, how, how that worked, the counter, counterintelligence program uh, that was the, uh, that was developed. So. 
next segment, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my little breakdown of the movie um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to the Carter Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Carter. I just want to give a quick uh, review of the, um, the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. I had the opportunity to see it on um, on Friday. It's definitely uh, a good it's a good movie, man, that had some good acting in it <laughs> as well. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely want to go uh, check it out. But, <laughs> you know, again, great, great acting within it. And you know the movie. It it, it showed the uh, it showed the um, the experience from the cast member um, with um, William O'Neill, uh, basically Bill, uh, who later turned who later became an uh, informant for the uh, FBI. And so it was great. It was good to see it. You know, from his perspective, how he went through different uh, the emotions uh, and kind of humanized this guy, this character in a, in a way that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, I guess, kind of like imagine because, again, he did something that, you know, people wouldn't do that, wouldn't that would, uh, are, uh, you know, upset about. You know, he basically, uh, you know, was a mole and he, you know, he turned in uh, Fred Hampton, who was a... Um, Somebody revered something that somebody, uh, somebody um, uh, loved, somebody liked. Um, but yeah, so so it took it from, it took it from, um, from the perspective of uh, William O'Neill. And so uh, early on, one of the things that stuck out, man, was the age of these gentlemen. Um, I believe William Miss uh, O'Neill was about maybe like twenty or twenty-one, and uh, Fred Hampton, he was. Um, 20 as well um he was in his 20s as well and so you know with Fred uh with uh, Wayne O'Neill he's doing a life of crime he's a criminal so so you can see at an early age again not making excuses but um you know just thinking about it like if he didn't I kind of saw how you know he could was a victim as well because again you're not making excuses you can say it's about anybody situation but you know he was a he um would he be doing the things that he was doing if he had if his family had resources if he came from a place um of a family who had you know who had money who can um who was able to provide for him and give him opportunities so was he a victim of uh was he a victim you know was he a victim as well uh, so you know definitely you know in a sense you could say that he was um, because again, like you know, like I said, if he had if his money, if it came from money, if he inherited money, if he had uh, opportunities to make it in school, or if he take a trade, you know, how would his life be different? Would he choose a um, path of crime? You know, because again, like sometimes some people choose crime again because um, of, of risk factors and also um, due to poverty and other reasons. And you know, because of that, you know, his history of, of being a criminal. It was used against him by a powerful uh, agency such as the uh, FBI, and so I think I believe that he did another crime before um, before the one that he got picked up on, where he tried to impersonate a FBI agent. And so, so the movie takes it back, and um, he is uh, met with the uh, FBI uh, agent that 
um, you know, that talk that brought him into um, being a, uh, an informant, a deal where, you know, his his his, um, his charges would be dropped, his felony would be dropped. I guess he had about five years over his head, maybe six, six at the most. His um, his charges would be dropped, and uh, he would get a monthly stipend. And um, it was interesting in a movie. The FBI agent asked him a question, and he asked him, "What did he think about uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King?" And you know, he kind of gave an answer. It was kind of like one of those like nonchalant questions, like you know, "Hey, you know, I heard what happened. It was definitely unfortunate type of response." But I thought that was interesting because, in my opinion, that was the FBI agent, you know, vetting him out. To see if you know if he was connected to you know the movement, if he was like a radical person, uh, just to kind of see like a temperature check to see where um, what was his perspective on being a revolutionary, being a rev- uh, with the uh, with black empowerment, and also with um, with the movement. And his response, in my opinion, <laughs> showed again that you know he necessarily wasn't connected to. Um, to the to the black the black struggle and or not say struggle but just trying to be a revolutionary, um, and and because of that you know it, the next scene went cut it and he was uh, next scene he was with Fred Hampton who was um, you know the leader of the uh, Illinois chapter and he was in the meeting, so in my opinion that kind of showed that let the uh, FBI agent know okay that we can use this guy because one a he ain't really. <laughs> He didn't give me a strong answer, a strong response when I asked him, "Hey, what, uh, you know, what he thought about the the killing of these two people?" So we can use them, and um, so it kind of went work, uh, working out that way. I thought that was interesting. That was kind of a way to test to see if um, to see what um, Mr. Um, Bill O'Neill's what his um, what he yeah what he thought about the movement and if he was connected to the black people's struggle. I think he did connect to the struggle, but I'm saying just in terms of like want to overturn and stand up for itself um, or make any type of uh, movements to um, stand up against the system. But also, I think that was interesting, again, why I say that, you know, he's probably, you know, again, a victim as well, because, again, you're looking at a, a white a white person, and uh, even in the, the the interview he did with PBS, he made a statement like, uh, I looked at the, the FBI format as a, uh, um, as a leader. <laughs> You know, somebody, you know, he could like, you know, it's like a hero in a sense, like, you know. And so you can see how how even that, you know, played a role, like get feeling that level of acceptance. And especially acceptance from somebody who's from a different race and like who's who's a race of a, the the, uh, the dominant race in society. So but in my opinion, yeah, he probably did feel like a little bit of acceptance and um, a little bit of power as well. And uh, well, that was kind of interesting, that whole dynamic that played. And also... The FBI agent would be with um, with Mr. O'Neill for lunch and um, and also um, yeah let him into his house so that was you know it's pretty interesting yep and then um, you know Fred Hampton another thing with the, his particular character and, and for the life of him you know he was um, man he was like twenty he was a young man when he started uh, his involvement with the um, the Black Panther Party and you know the Black Panther Party you know were started by some young um, black, um, you know, black students, black college students, Bobby Seale and uh, Huey P. Uh, Newton in, um, in California. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, in, in, in this basic form, the Black Panther Party, which is the use of, like, for self-defense. And with, uh, with Fred Hampton and his character, um, 
he, well, he was depicted in a movie that he was used. Yeah, he, he, he cared about he cared about his community. He cared about his community. Had a vision. You know, wanted to start a uh, a medical uh, station for uh, for for black people within the community. I just wanted to do things that was um, that would help people that was oppressed. And I, and I like the vision that he had. He even started the Rainbow Coalition. Also, was trying to make um, peace with um, the different. Um, I ain't gonna say gangs, vision of a black, you know, street leaderships. Uh, I think it was called the Black Rangers within the community. And um, I thought that was interesting. They had that foresight, and also to know that you know a house divided against itself can't fall, and knowing that they were stronger in numbers. And even like fighting the FBI, you know, it's kind of know that you need, you know, numbers. Well, you need um, people that are um, that are in agreement to kind of help fight off against um, the the attacks and stuff to be to be strengthened. Um, and I, I liked his vision to to see that that he wanted to do the Rainbow Coalition, which I evidently, man, I, I didn't even know, man. He started it. I always thought that uh, Jesse Jackson started that, but you know, kind of <laughs> learned a lot within that. The movie man, but then again, yeah, they had the vision at a young age to be able to stand up and uh, make those type of uh, make those type of uh, you know decisions like that. I thought that was uh, pretty that was uh, interesting, man. And also leave me with like no excuses to like never say that age is a is a factor for stopping from doing something. You know that if you had the vision, if you had a passion for it, you know definitely going for it and making you making it happen. And also, he he was a perfect example of a servant leader. Like he was a servant, man. He was. Yeah, he he wanted to serve the people within his community, you know, making opportunities uh, for people that were oppressed or who were uh, voice, who who was um, voiceless. Um, so I, I definitely like uh, like that and admire that about him. And also within the movie, man, you can see the Cointel Pro. What I talked about on the previous episode, how the FBI would do different things to kind of um, bring division within the um, defend the Black Panthers, but also within um, different uh, the different groups within. Uh, within the Chicago area, like with the Rangers, how they, they wrote, you know, wrote up some letters about stuff that the, the Black Panthers was saying about them. So it was just, it was just interesting how the FBI just played a role in just dismantling that, the group. Um, and then, let's fast forward, let's go back into um, the guy, um, Bill, Bill O'Neill, his character, I think, you know, like I said, I think Bill thought that, you know, his role was something that was exclusive. This was something that, you know, that he felt like was given only to him. But it was a part where when um Fred Hampton was in jail where um where Bill ran into uh, some other gentlemen who who were um who was actually a uh, agent too and they talked about how they found them all and they killed them you know they killed them all and that I think in my opinion that kinda of shook up um <laughs> you know Bill O'Neill and uh in a sense where he realized that, you know, he is not the only one that's um, doing this, and uh, so I think the other gentleman I forgot his name. Remember the name? I just can't remember his name, but I believe he was in um, Connecticut or something. And how the uh, FBI agent that was uh, that was working, um, and so he, for my opinion, yeah, that was kind of like um, shocking to him because he, in my opinion, it appeared that he thought that you know it's something that was exclusive to him. That you know he actually he didn't you know he didn't want to get it um, killed as well, but you know he didn't necessarily know that this was something that was. Um, that was done for, um, that was done, um, for other, you know, had other agents and stuff. So that kind of shook him up. And then in the movie, it appeared that the FBI agent didn't even know that it was that deep that they had other, other agents and stuff like that. So, you know, it just kind of, kind of goes to show that the, you know, the movement that the uh, FBI 
was doing to stop these particular groups. And, and you know, my what I read and what I saw that they was, um, FBI was, it, was trying to do it to try to stop uh, a communist movement within the United States. Um, so, yeah, so that was definitely um, interesting. And that's something that I observed. So, um, so we fast forward, man, and um, we just see, man, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill just go through, I don't know, what appeared. I mean, I don't necessarily know, like, you know, it wasn't there. And But in the movie, it really depicted that you could see that Bill O'Neill was going through, like, a lot of internal conflict, you know, having, like, uh, anxiety, you know, sometimes panic attacks and stuff. And, you know, so you could just see that, um, you know, the role that that played. And also you can see that the role of him communicating with the uh, FBI agent played if, when Continuing the thought that the FB, that the um, that the Black Panther movement party was like the KKK, he kind of like attributed that. Um, he, um, yeah, the FBI agent, you know, was telling Mister uh, O'Neill, "Hey, you know, don't get caught up in these are good people, but you know, you can. Um, these are, you know, um, the Black Panthers are like, like the Ku Klux Klan." And I thought that was interesting again because the mind games that he played on this young kid. Yeah, again, like, I'm not uh, making excuses, but, you know, this is a 20, 20, 21-year-old, you know, person and stuff. And the mind games that he was playing, and he made him even question his own reality. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good that's a, that's a good lesson right there. He made him question his own reality because O'Neill was like, hey, why, you know, why are you messing with these people? These people are just doing stuff for kids. They're not doing anything that's... Um, they just basically trying to, you know, live and survive and protect themselves, you know. He's doing uh, the breakfast meals and, you know, breakfast is good for school-age kids. Uh, definitely, definitely a proponent of that. So, I mean, and also educating them and um, teaching, uh, you know, black kids to, to respect themselves. So, it even had him questioning his his own, own he was questioning his own reality because, you know, Bill could see firsthand how he could, um, you know, what the Black Panther was doing and what the movie was about. But, um, yeah, and so you kind of can see how, in my opinion, that he had to really um, detach from his reality of what he was saying and stay committed to believing a particular lie or committed to what he agreed to do in order, in order to gain his own freedom. So, um, so yeah, man. So, you, so you, you know, we kind of can see see how that uh, how that all played out. How you know he had to continually be be told by the um, the FBI agent, FBI agent, uh, continually questioned his reality with giving him some false <laughs> perception of the Black Panther despite him being able to be there uh, firsthand and see what the good work that he was doing. Um, so yeah, man, so <clears throat> so, it's, so as time progressed within that particular movie, um, we see that, um, you know, we see that um, think tension continue to grow amongst the Black Panthers and the police. You can see that uh, there was different like shootouts that occurred within the uh, the Black Panthers and the police, you know, there was times when they were just shooting at each other. Uh, and that was, <laughs> you know, definitely no way to live, man. But that was definitely uh, a, a, a sign of exactly like the, the, the tension that was created um, amongst the, um, the, 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 um, the police and the uh, Black Panthers. So, so yeah, man, so that was just definitely, you know, an uh, interesting dynamic. And, um, so yeah, so um, you know, in the movie you see how uh, Fred Hampton again was just continued to be harassed by the um, by the system and was arrested for like ice cream, 
uh, <laughs> still ice cream, and they, they blew up his um, the operating um, center, uh, the office that they had, uh, the Black Panthers, and you know they had to rebuild it. And you see the community coming coming together, <clears throat> and um, yeah, and it just goes to show again how the police was messing with this particular gentleman, and uh, it's time to stop the movement and his uh, you know his passion. But it was kind of like you know it almost like he just grew. Um, the more more from it because what it did was it unified the um, it unified the the group. Um, so yep. So as time progressed, man, you know you can see that more tension started to arise with the uh, Black Panthers and the police. You know, police dying and stuff. And um, you know, Hoover, you know, made the call that you know it was they didn't want him to go back to jail again because he would be you know a hero. So they wanted him to be you know killed, executed. And then, um, you know, in the movie, you can see that um, the FBI agent was just keep kept hounding O'Neill for, for the uh, for the draw out of um, Mr. Um, of um, Fred Hampton's uh, Fred Hampton's um, you know house, and, um, <clears throat> and so yeah, he finally agreed, and you know he did it, and that's kind of when it was uh, you know set up for him to be you know murdered in the middle of the night, and. Um, yeah, so even that it was a scene where um, O'Neill was giving some type of drugs to give to uh, to give to uh, Fred Hampton to you know make sure that he was kind of like you know sleep during the whole process and and from the movie it appeared that he was giving those drugs and you know the police came in the middle of the night and you know he couldn't you know he was unresponsive and uh, yeah he was later you know you know killed and stuff and it appeared that uh, you know after that the the movement didn't. The movement didn't necessarily like stop immediately, but it definitely you know died down once the leader was uh you know was executed, and then you kind of can see that sometimes like I kind of call it like being made an example of and again you know the way they did the leader um, sometimes it wouldn't stop the other people from rising up because again they don't want to necessarily let that happen to them. So um, but you know yeah overall man it was a uh, it was a good movie it was definitely a good movie and. Um, I definitely would. Uh, I actually saw it twice, so I definitely might check it out again for the third time. And it's a lot of different lessons to, to lessons to get from it, man. But um, you know, just like in terms of like you know being a servant leader, having a vision, um, fighting against the uh, division because the house divided against itself can't fall. Um, you know, knowing who's within your um, circle. Uh, just a lot of just different gems you could uh, you can get from that movie, but yeah, definitely want to check it out. Uh, I think the movie was a uh, was a good film. It did uh, Fred Hampton uh, a good service of what you know what he did, and it also brought light to his life and stuff like that and his legacy. So um, so yeah, man, so it was definitely a good film. Check it out, man. Judas and the Black Messiah. And uh, one of the things I might probably talk about a little bit about um, another uh, episode, man, is it's about being triggered triggered. Because you kind of can see that, you know, a lot of black people's um, um, progress, it hasn't been to be that much progress since then. So you're still dealing with, you know, not at a, a mass level, but, you know, still might be getting, you know, shot and killed by the police. Um, again, economic opportunity sometimes is kind of like far and few. Um, just kind of appears that, you know, especially during the 80s, a lot of um, black men and black women were um, guided to, to, you know, to drugs like crack and uh, um, crack. And so, um, and then even that in the nineties, you know, a lot of people who was using drugs was was criminalized and was put into jail. So you just kind of can see that, 
you know, again, uh, you know, some progress made within the black community, but again, not that much. Uh, and so just sometimes that could be, you know, triggering. And uh, I think it's key to kind of, you know, combat that again, because, you know, it's the, the true reality and it's harsh. And sometimes you might feel helpless or even hopeless. So um, I can see how this this movie, it, after a time, I was a little triggered at times. But again, I didn't necessarily let it get to me. Uh, just just kind of, uh, you know, ch ch uh, channel my anger and trying to you know, make myself a better person and uh, the, the world around me a better person as much as I can. But 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 yeah, but then, you know, like I said, just being honest, like you can see that it's not that much. We made some progress, but not that much. So, um, but yeah, overall, man, it's a good, good movie, man. I definitely enjoyed it. Peace.